A Christmas tree was coming up 11th Avenue, or rather was trying to come. Having tangled itself in a shopping cart someone had abandoned in the crosswalk, it shuddered and bristled and heaved on the verge of bursting into flame, or so it seemed to Mercer Goodman as he struggled to salvage the tree's crown from the battered mesh of the cart. Everything these days was on the verge. Across the street, Char marks marred the loading dock where local bedlamites built fires at night. The hookers who sunned themselves there by day were watching now through dime store shades, and for a second Mercer was acutely aware of how he must appear, a corduroyed and bespectacled brother doing his best to backpedal while at the far end of the tree a bed-headed white boy in a motorcycle jacket tried to yank the trunk forward and to hell with the shopping cart. Then the signal switched from don't walk to walk, and miraculously, through some combination of push me and pull you, they were free again. I know you're annoyed, Mercer said, but could you try not to flounce? Was I flouncing? William asked. You're drawing stares. As friends, or even neighbors, they were an unlikely pair, which may have been why the man who ran the Boy Scout tree lot by the Lincoln Tunnel on-ramp had been so hesitant to touch their cash. It was also why Mercer could never have invited William home to meet his family, and thus why they were having to celebrate Christmas on their own. You knew it just to look at them, the doughy brown bourgeois, the wiry pale punk, what could possibly have yoked these two together besides the occult power of sex? It was William who'd chosen the biggest tree left on the lot. Mercer had urged him to consider the already severe overcrowding of the apartment, not to mention the half-dozen blocks between here and there, but this was William's way of punishing him for wanting a tree in the first place. He'd peeled two tens from the roll he kept in his pocket and announced sardonically and loud enough for the tree guy to hear, I'll take bottom. Now, between fogged breaths, he added, You know, Jesus would have cast us both into the fiery pit. That's in Leviticus somewhere, I think. I don't see the point of a Messiah who sends you to hell. Wrong testament, Mercer might have objected besides which we haven't sinned together in weeks, but it was imperative not to take the bait. The scoutmaster was only a hundred yards back, the end of a trail of needles. Gradually, the blocks depopulated. Hell's Kitchen at this hour was mostly rubbled lots and burnt-out auto chassis and the occasional drifting squeegee man. It was like a bomb had gone off, leaving only outcasts which must have been the neighborhood's major selling point for William Hamilton Sweeney, circa the late 60s. Actually, a bomb had gone off a few years before Mercer moved in. A group with one of those gnarly acronyms he could never remember had blown up a truck outside the last working factory, making way for more rattle-trap lofts. Their own building, in a previous life, had manufactured Knickerbocker brand breath mints, in some ways, little had changed. The conversion from commercial to residential had been slapdash, probably illegal, and had left a powdered industrial residue impacted between the floorboards. No matter how you scrubbed, 
a hint of cloying peppermint remained. The freight elevator being broken again, or still, it took half an hour to get the tree up five flights of stairs. Sap got all over William's jacket. His canvases had migrated to his studio up in the Bronx, but somehow the only space for the tree was in front of the living area's window, where its branches blocked the sun. Mercer, anticipating this, had laid in provisions to cheer things up, lights to tack to the wall, a tree skirt, a carton of non-alcoholic eggnog. He set them out on the counter, but William just sulked on the futon, eating gumdrops from a bowl, with his cat, Eartha Kay, perched smugly on his chest. At least you didn't buy a creche, he said. It stung in part because Mercer was at that moment rooting under the sink for the wise man figurines Mama had enclosed with her care package. What he found there instead was the mail pile, which he could have sworn he'd left sitting out in plain view on the radiator this morning. Usually, Mercer wouldn't have stood for it. He couldn't walk by one of Eartha's fur balls without reaching for the dustpan. But a certain unopened envelope had been festering there for a week among the second and third notices from the Americard family of credit cards, redundancy sick and he'd hoped today might be the day William finally awoke to its presence. He reshuffled the pile again so that the envelope was on top. He dropped it back onto the radiator. But his lover was already getting up to splash Nog over the clump of green gumdrops like some futuristic cereal product. Breakfast of champions, he said.